We are continuing a third installment today of a series we're calling I Love My Church, just by a show of hands. How many of you love your church? Anybody in here love your church? I hope you do. And the reason we're doing this series is because we are yet again going into Scripture to find out what Jesus thinks about this church and what we as a church are supposed to be. The Bible says that, that, that Jesus actually said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so Jesus was, was loved his church. He said, it's my church. And so uh, we want to say we love our church too. If God gave his life for it, we want to give our life for it. And the premise of this whole series has been a really one big thing. And that is that I want to introduce people to Jesus and you. I believe that if we can introduce people to Jesus, your life is never the same. And then if we can introduce you to other people, to the church who are the people, your life will never be the same as well. You add those two ingredients together, it makes for a powerful, powerful combination. And so uh, first week we talked about everyone matters, that everybody matters to God. And no, no matter if you're white, black, big, tall, young, old, every person has value to God. You, value, you, are, you are valuable to God. And then in week two, we talked about, uh, last week, we are better together. And we talked about this idea that we can't do life alone. The enemy's strategy is for us to be isolated and alone. Even in the midst of a ton of people, we can be very alone. And so God's strategy is for us to do life together. We can't do it alone. And so we talked about that last week. And today, the title of today's message is called, Get to Steppin'. Look at somebody next to you and say, Get to Steppin'. After service. After service, okay. Sit right there for right now. You don't have to get to stabbing right now, but stay right there where you, where you are. So let's go, to, uh, let's go to Proverbs real quick. I want to go to Proverbs. If you got some notes, wave them at me so I can just see. We got some people that got some notes. Uh, I don't know if we uh, ran out. Hopefully you got them. Um, we are a note-taking church. There's some binders actually out there in our foyer that are free for you. You can have a place to store those notes. But we love taking, taking notes together. I feel like it helps us on Mondays and Tuesdays when you forget your message. How many know sometimes it's easy to forget a message? I preach them and I forget them. Okay, so, uh, so I want to I help you here. So please feel free to take some notes. Proverbs chapter 29 is where we're going to be. This is what it says. It says, if people can't what? What's that word? If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are, help me with these two words. They're most blessed. So when people can't see what God is doing, they're stumbling all over the place because they can't see. But if they can just attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. As, as those know, I wear glasses. If I took my glasses off and tried to preach, I could not see you at all. Um, I, I, I am nearsighted, so I can't see. Everybody in the back, you would just be blurs back there. And uh, I wear glasses to, to help me see so I can see clearly, especially when I'm driving or reading or doing things. I want to be able to see. And, and the scripture is telling us that the same is true, is that when you can't see, you're stumbling all over the place. God is doing something, and you need to be able to see what he is doing. And oftentimes, we don't see it. So I, I believe, honestly, my job as a pastor here at Our Savior's Church is to help you see, to give you clarity, for you to see what God wants to do in your life. We all look at life, but many of us look at life through a different set of lenses, most of us look at life through the lenses of our hurt, our pain, our failures, and everything that we look at life is through those lenses. And so today, I'm, I'm going to try to give you a new set of lenses so you can see God's vision for your life crystal clear, 2020. 
And, and a lot of people ask me that, man, what's God's vision for my life? What does he want for me? Well, we have a mission here at our church. Our mission is to reach people. Does anybody know the last two? And, and build lives. That's our passion is to reach people and build lives. We want to reach all people and we want to help people rebuild their lives. But we also have a vision as a church and I believe it's a vision that God hasn't just given us as a church, but it's actually a vision that God's given us as individuals, and he's got a vision for your life. He, he wants you to know what he wants you to do. Now, real quick, uh, let, me, let me poll the audience here. How many of you, how many are parents in here in the house? Raise your hand if you're parents. Okay, I give it up to you. I got a lot of prayers that go to you, okay? Parents in the house. How many of you remember the time you find out, all moms and dads in here, when you were first pregnant with the firstborn? How many remember the firstborn? Anybody in here remember the firstborn? I was so excited about our firstborn. Our firstborn was a boy. His name is Josiah now. He's 12 years old, which is crazy. I almost have a teenager. Be praying for me. I'm having a teenager next month. But, um, but I remember when we found out that we were going to have a son, and I was so excited. I was really, really excited about two things. There's two things I was super excited about. One, I heard that if you have your first baby, a lot of people give you presents. I was like, amen and hallelujah. So they said, you're going to go to this store, and they're going to give you a gun, and you're just going to go shoot a lot of things. I was like, I'm in even more. What, what can I put on the, on the registry? Anything you want. And I was like, flat screen TV, computers, iPads. Lindsay's like, we need diapers. Nah, we're good. Uh, we need, uh, you know what I'm talking about? Don't give a guy a gun, okay? Especially when you tell him he can have whatever he wants in the store. Anyway, so that was exciting, of course, to get all this free stuff. The other thing that I was really, really excited about, though, was, was the, the day, you know, the birthday, the, the day that it was going to happen. Lindsay was starting to have all these contractions, and she was like, it's happening. And I was so excited because our hospital was in Lafayette. We were having our boys, our boy was going to be born at Lafayette General. And I could not wait to get into my Mario Andretti driver's seat and drive as fast as I possibly could and break every speed limit to get there. I was like, get out the way, pregnant lady. <laughs> you know, I was hoping I'd get a police escort. I didn't. He was behind me. But um, I'm joking. He wasn't. Anyways, I was really excited about driving as fast as I could, which I did. I went ahead and used it. Lindsay's like, it's okay. It's all right. So we get there, and, um, and it's, about, it's around lunchtime. Um, I haven't eaten you know, I mean, a lot of stuff is going on, and, and uh, so they get us in the room, and so my brother calls me, you know, tell them what's going on. He's like, hey, is there anything I can do for you? I said, yes, I'm starving. He's like, what could I get you? And so I said, man, I'd love a burger. And uh, so he's like, okay. So he went and got me a burger at Judy's Inn. Anybody had a Judy's Inn burger? If you haven't, you're not getting into heaven. Um, no, I'm joking. Anyways, <laughs> but they will be served in heaven, I believe, with no calories. And so most amazing burger ever, totally unhealthy. But anyways, he brings that to me. And so I'm sitting, you know, in the chair as Lindsay's enjoying me eating in front of her <laughs> she's, as she's in pain. Um, and, and so anyways, so I'm eating this burger and, you know, I finish it off and, and she's starting to really start to have some pains. And so, of course, you know, the compassionate, gracious husband that I am, I wanted to, you know, help her with some breathing techniques that you learn, that you got to do. How many of you know those don't work? Um, so I'm over there, baby. <laughs> she looks at me after, you know, doing that for a couple of seconds, and she says, your breath stinks. I said, well, your breath is awesome. Okay. Um, <laughs> keep pushing, baby. It's good. It's good. So anyways, so we're kind of settling down. Things are kind of getting a little more intense, and the doctor comes in and says, um, Lindsay, listen, um, 
So you're, you're progressing pretty, pretty far. You're, you're pretty far dilated. You know, uh, the baby's going to come pretty soon. Your water hasn't broken, so we're going to have to break it. Yeah, all the, all the women here are like, oh. And so this is what he said. He said, so if you want an epidural, you need to get it now. And so my wife, being that it was her first child, was like, she felt like she had something to prove. So she's like, no, I ain't doing no epidural. And the doctor was like, are you sure? She said, no, I ain't doing no epidural. He said, if you say no now, you're not going to be able to get one. And she said, that's fine. No. So he says, okay. So he proceeds to break her water. Well, within five minutes, the pain went from this pain <laughs> to this pain. And so, so then after five minutes goes, the doctor's out the room. She's like, go find the doctor. Um, and I, this is what I did. No. This is no lie. I did do this. You can ask her. It's not my most proud moment, but I did. I said, I ain't doing it. He told you, if you wanted it, you should have gotten it then. Anybody in here that's, you're about to have a child, don't do these things, okay? She was like, go get the doctor. I said, I'm standing my ground. I am the man of this home. I am not getting, and I didn't do that. And so, <laughs> yes, ma'am. And so, no. So I said, no. And so she said, she, her mom's in the room. She said, you go get the doctor. And so her mom's like, I'm going. <laughs> So she goes, and of course, her mom comes back, and she's like, what did he say? And he said, too late. I said, see, I, t no, I'm not going to say that. And so, anyways, she finally does. She, she delivers naturally, have this awesome baby boy, and, uh, and, and it's just a proud moment. It's an awesome moment, um, which, by the way, when we went for our second son and our third son, as soon as we got up to the hospital, she's like, hey, uh, what time are we doing the shot? Are we doing that soon? And so she had epidural every other one after that. Um, but anyways, so I, I, I have, I have my son, you know, we're sitting in the room and, and it just hits me. I've got to take this thing home. Like any of y'all have like that, uh oh moment, like, uh oh, like I got another person that I'm responsible for. I don't know what to do. 21, 22 years old. I was like, I don't, I can't even take care of my own self. I got, now I got a baby. I'm trying to figure out what all I'm supposed to do. Of course, you go home, and, and how many know with your first child, they're your test dummy. You're learning everything on your first one. I'm sorry for every first, firstborns in here. I was a firstborn as well, but you're learning everything new on them. And, and, and I didn't know what to do, and, and thankfully for people in my life and other people that could help me, and you learn a lot of things. And the reason I bring all that up, though, is because there's a lot of people in our church now that are brand new kind of to this whole church thing. This whole Christian thing and what is it is to what it looks like to follow Jesus and, and, and how does that work? And there's a lot of people that have given their hearts to the Lord within the, even the last couple of months, um, within this year for sure, here at our church. And, and this, is what I'm, this is the question that I'm hearing from a lot of people is, okay, I, I've kind of given my heart to the Lord. I'm coming to church, but now what? Like, what do I do from here? And, and you're kind of like me with a newborn, like, I don't know what I do from here. Like, what, what's the next step? And I'm excited to tell you that God actually has a very clear vision of what your next steps are. He wants to help you know step one, step two, step three, step four. We see it all throughout scripture, actually. But I want to help you today because I want, I want to help you continue to take steps. I want to help you grow in your relationship with God. And so I want us to begin today in Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians chapter one. This is the Apostle Paul. He writes to the uh, Ephesus church. And it's a church he's writing to. He's writing to Christians. And this is what he's telling these Christians. 
This is his prayer for them. And this is really honestly, Pastor Bo and myself, this is our prayer for you as well. We, we pray this same prayer over you. It says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may, what's these three words? Know him better. Now, if, you've, if you're in the South, which all of us are, everybody in the South knows God. Everybody in here knows about God. What I find, though, is not a lot of people really actually know God, like know him personally. And, and you know a lot about how somebody knows somebody by what they call them, the name that they give them, and, and, and how they interact with them. Let me, let me give you, for example, like, so when people, <clears throat> somebody calls me on the phone and they're like, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, can, I, can I speak to Mr. Belton? I know they don't know me. First off, my last name's not Belton, it's Belt. And so I know they don't know me that well. And so I'm like, uh, he's gone at the moment. <laughs> if I go to uh, you know, a restaurant and someone says, hey, Mr. Belt, party of five, they don't know me that well. They know my last name. Someone calls me, hey, hey, Pastor Josh, or hey, PJ, then I know they know me as far as they know what I do. Now, but if somebody calls me daddy, then how many know they know me a little bit different than anybody else does? And then if somebody calls me my Superman, my Mexican muchacho, my baby, how many know that person knows me a whole lot more? There's only one that knows me like that. And if you call me that name, I will kick you out of this church. Okay, so how many know, but, but by the names that people call me, it, it tells me how much they know me. And the same is with God. A lot of people know about God, but they don't know God. They don't know God as friend counselor, comforter. They just know God as the big guy in the sky. And so our prayer for you and Paul's prayer for the church in those days is that you know God personally. I pray that it would be a shame if we fill this church with so many people on Sunday, yet nobody knows God on Monday, right? We want what happens on Sunday to change the way you live on Monday. And that happens when you know God. Which goes on to the next verse, which is, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So let me give you the four steps that we, we talk about all the time here at OSC, but I always want to make sure we're reminding you of really what God's vision is for your, you and what God's vision is for us as a church. Here's your, here's your steps if you want to take some notes. Number one, know God. Know God. We just want you to know God. Like I said, I, it's not religion. We don't want you to know religion. We don't want you to know the tradition of church. We want you to know God personally. God wants to speak to you, and he will speak to you if you can learn to listen to his voice. Number two, find freedom. You can get saved and still have a lot of soul issues. How many know you can give your heart to the Lord but still got some junk in the trunk or in the heart? <laughs> you junk in the trunk too, but anyways. But you got some junk, and that needs to be processed through. That needs to be dealt with. And so we want to help people find freedom. The, the, the sad thing, though, is, is this is how it works. In, in our society, the sad thing is if you still got some junk in your life, you still got some anger issues, you still got some addictions, you still got some things, the problem is most people think that they need to go clean themselves up before they can go to church. But can I tell you this? You, you, don't, you don't have to do that. You, you don't have to clean yourself up to get to God. You just get to God, and he'll clean yourself up. Anybody know that? You, you get to God and God does. How many of you know God's ability to clean your life is way better than your ability to mess your life up? So I want you to find freedom. Number three, discover purpose. 
You're not an accident. You were made on purpose. You were made for a purpose. Now, I want you to listen to me very closely on this one. Jesus did not suffer on the cross the extraordinary pain that he went through on the cross, died in the grave, rose again. He did not do all that so you could sit in a seat at church. He did all that because he's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. He wants to speak to you and he wants to use you. Can I get an amen on this? So it's not about sitting in some red chairs for an hour and thinking that's what God's design is. No, God's design is that you would do more, be more than what happens here on Sunday. He wants to help you discover your purpose. And then actually last but not least is make a difference. God wants you to live beyond yourself. He's called you to do something beyond yourself. Now here's what I know. When I don't see God's vision for my life, I am in danger of settling for an earthly counterfeit. When I don't know what God's vision is for me, when I don't understand the steps he wants me to take, I'll settle for things that aren't real. How many know the devil does things that look just exactly like God, but they're not? They're counterfeits. He'll, he'll, whatever God creates, he cr- tries to create something that looks exactly the same, but it's not. And it promises fulfillment, but it lies to you. And so... And so If God's vision is for you to know God and find freedom and discover your purpose and make a difference, then what's the strategy of the enemy? What's his his four that he uses? Well, let me give you these four. Ready? Here's his his false ones. Know me. So don't know God. Know me. I mean, the, the, the devil's greatest thing is he just wants you to be all about you. And we live in a society that is constantly consumed with self. People are always on social media taking self-ease, right? Nothing wrong with that, but it is when it's constantly trying to promote one's self. It's all about self. Know me. Know me. Not about knowing God. It's about knowing me, which, which leads into not, not finding freedom, but finding fame. We live in a culture that constantly wants to find fame. You want a five-minute YouTube sensation, or you want to do something with your life that's significant, which we all do, but, but we do it in all of the wrong ways because we're just trying to get famous so people will know us. And then that leads to not finding just fame, but it's then now not discovering your purpose, but it's discovering a platform. Where can I do? What can I do? How can I post in such a way that it's all about me? It's about my marriage and my life and what I want. And, and, and that ends up leading into one of the worst places, which is it's not about it's, the end goal of your life is not about making a difference. The end goal of your life is about making a dollar. And so the false substitute of the enemy, and I see this all throughout our community. I'm telling you right now, I see it everywhere, is the sole purpose of people's life is not to make a difference but it's try to make a dollar. And they'll, they'll devote their entire life to trying to be rich, to have stuff, to, to, to acquire things, and, and fail to realize that all of those things are false substitutes. Now, I, I pray that you're rich, and I pray that you have a great house and great cars and great stuff. I pray that you have all those things. Uh, I'm not nowhere near against all that. I hope you have all those things. I just hope those things don't have you. Because you'll find yourself driven to have to have more. Because here's what I know about culture and here's what I know about the lives of the enemy. As soon as you get it, you're not satisfied, so you want more. So you got to have more drugs. 
You got to have a different girlfriend. That, that girlfriend didn't, didn't work out for me. Or that wife didn't work out for me. She didn't please me. So guess what? Because it's about me, I'm going to get rid of you and get an upgrade. I'll get a better wife. And then you realize that wife ain't good enough either. So I need another upgrade. And you keep upgrading thinking that those things are going to satisfy you, but they were never designed to satisfy you in the first place. And so we, we, we struggle in life because we're constantly trying to find joy in life and fulfillment, and it's not happening. And we're wondering, why is it not happening? Well, if God's ultimate goal is for us to make a difference, I, I want to show you how this happens. So look, look with me in this next verse in John chapter 15, verse 8. It says this, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, that your life produces something of greatness, and showing yourself to be my disciples. Now listen to this, I have told you this so that, now here's why I've told you this, so that my joy, this is Jesus speaking, that Jesus' joy may be in you. So God wants his joy to be in you, and that your joy may be what? Complete. Everybody in this world is looking for joy. Problem is we're looking for it in all the wrong places. And then we get mad at God because we're not experiencing real joy, we're just experiencing a lot of pain. And we're trying to figure out why do I have so much pain and not that much joy? Let's do an honest survey here. How many of you in here, would just be honest, this week was a very stressful week. Raise your hand, just a stressful week. Okay, all right, put your hand up. All right, so everybody in here stressed. All right, good to know. Um, welcome to church, glad you're here. Um, here's what I know about stress. When you are stressed out, and you're focused constantly on your stress, you stay stressed. I know it's deep, really deep stuff right here, okay? When I'm stressed out, and all my mind and thought is focused on what is stressing me out, I stay stressed out. So how do I get joy in the midst of being stressed out? Here's how. You put something in your life greater than your stress. So whatever is stressing you out, the reason it's stressing you out is because you're constantly focused and fixated on that stress. But what if you put your eyes off of the thing that's stressing you out and you put it on something that's greater than your stress? See, most of us think, well, real joy must be, okay, you know what, you know, I, I just, I, I need a break. I, I just need to go on a vacation and I'll get real joy. Well, vacations are great. If you can go on one, they're awesome. They're fun. But how many know you got to come back home? <laughs> Anybody know? You know, real joy would be uh, going and watching the LSU. Well, not LSU. Let's not use them. Um, I wasn't a lot of joy last night. Um, maybe the Saints. I don't know if we can use the Saints either. Anyways, maybe, maybe my joy can be found in just making a lot of money or buying that stuff that I always wanted. And then you find out that that doesn't satisfy like you thought either. It's fun, it's good, but it doesn't satisfy. Can I tell you where real joy is found? That scripture actually pointed it to us. When you make your life about helping other people and it's all for God's glory, you experience his greatest joy. When life is beyond you and it's about other people, you experience joy like none other. And I know you probably don't, you, you don't, you don't think that that's the, that's the case, but it is the case and I'll, I'll prove it to you in just a minute. I'll show you a couple of things. So with this message, I want to make sure that I'm very practical. Anytime that I'm preaching, I always want to make sure I'm putting the cookies on the bottom shelf so everybody can have some. So no matter where you're at in here, uh, you've you got some steps that you can take. So, um, so let me give you a next step here, okay? So here's a step that you can take. If we're getting to stepping, if we need to be taking some steps, here's a step that you can take, maybe for you, is uh, join the dream team. 
And you say, whoa, I'm here for the first time. That's okay, I understand. If you're here for the first time, maybe some of this won't apply to you. But if you've been coming for a little while, maybe this is your next step, is just to get connected and join the dream team. Because I don't want something from you, I want something for you. And how, how, how many of you know this? My life is only as successful as what it's attached to. And if my life is attached to eternity, how many know my life's going to be pretty successful? And for us, our, our dream team is what is, I believe, one of the most successful life-giving things that we do, which is a, a, a group of people that are devoted to just serving other people. When you showed up this morning, you saw people out there in the heat parking you with their nice little smile and wands. They don't do that because they want to be in the heat. They do that because they love God and they love you. You see the people, how many know the, the people that are back there serving your kids so you could be in here with no distractions? Come on, how many thankful for those people? Thankful so, so much for those. So um, yesterday, last night actually, I, I posted a question on our Facebook page, which if you're not on it, I encourage you to go look up our Savior's Church Jennings. And um, I'm always posting questions on there because I love you helping me preach. And so the question that I posed yesterday was, what is one of the things that has really helped you in your life grow spiritually since coming to our church? And you're going to see these answers throughout this message, but I want to I show you one of them. So one is uh, a lady that comes to our church named Kim. How many know Kim Woods from Lake Arthur? Any Lake Arthur people? Um, I don't think Kim's in here. She's probably working knowing her. Um, this is how she said she's really grown. Watch. Serving on the dream team has helped me grow. We attended OSC, now watch this, for five years, five years, and I only knew the names of a few people. I felt really convicted about that because I knew that God wanted more. Now, here, look at this. He wanted more from me than just attending church and hurrying out the door. He, he wanted me to engage in true fellowship, and getting connected and serving as a greeter on the dream team forced me to talk to people and to get to know them. And I've even met people outside of church who approach me and ask me if I'm the blue scrubs lady at OSC. <laughs> For those that know, she's a nurse and oftentimes she works late nights and she'll come in directly from her shift and help serve in our church. And it says, and it gives me a great opportunity to talk to them and to get to know their story. I've learned, now watch this, I've learned that if I wanna feel like I'm a part of a church family, then I've gotta make an effort. I've got to do something. I've, I've got to be a part of this. Now, now let, me, let me start here. So if our, if our passion is to make a difference, then, then let's back it up, though. Let's take a step back. Let's do a little rewind. And let's rewind one. And I can't make a difference until I discover my purpose. Write that down. I can't make a difference until I discover my purpose. So we've got it. We've, we've, let's, let's back this thing up. We want our life to make, make a difference, leave, leave, leave a legacy. I've got to start back, though, with uh, I've, I've got to discover my purpose first. Well, how do I do that? Well, Psalm says this, for you created my inmost being. This is God. God created you. you. You knit me together in my mother's womb. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So this is what this says. There are no accidents. Some of you in here, your parents have probably even said, like, you were an accident. I'm sorry. And that's when you tell your parents, no, you were the accident. No, I'm joking. Don't say that. Don't say that. But I, you would be surprised at how many people have actually have heard that said over them. But can I tell you what this verse tells me? There are no accidents. Every single birth, every single baby, 
was created by God, and God created us. He created our personalities and our giftings and what we would look like and how we would look, and all of this was created by God. And I love this too. On top of that, he also ordained every single day we live, which tells me this, that there's no day that God is not ordaining, which means nobody dies early. Now, that's hard to hear because we've had people in our life that have seemed like they've died at a very young age, but this scripture tells me that every day that God has is ordained by God. Every day has been written in his book before me. Every one of them came to be. And so if God has um, created me, God has allowed me to be birthed, and God has a purpose for me, then what does all of that mean? Well, I believe the two greatest days in your life are two things. One, the day, you f- the day you're born, which we celebrate that every year. Everybody's got a birthday. We celebrate it. The one, though, we don't celebrate often, and I think we should celebrate more of, though, is the day you find out why you were born. And you would be surprised at how many people don't know why they were born. They know they were born, but they don't understand why. And I want to help you understand why. And the way that we do that, let me show you this next verse. This next verse is in uh, 1 Peter. Is that what it is? Yeah, 1 Peter 4. It says, God has given each of you, what's this word? A gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Now, here's what you're to do with the gifts that God's given you. He's given you a gift. You are to what? You're to use them. Now, now, where do I use them? How do I use them? Well, you use them well to serve one another. But our culture says this. All the gifts and talents that you have, you need to use them. But who do they tell you to use it for? Yourself. And then we wonder why we get so depressed. We wonder why we have no joy. We wonder why we have no, no hope. It's because everything that we're doing is for ourselves. You know why people are so miserable? Because they're consumed with themselves. They're filled with themselves. That's why he says, listen, you need to discover your gift. You need to use your gift. And you need to use it for other people. Everybody in here has gifts, by the way. Some of you can cook. Who can cook in here? Who, anybody cook in here? Okay, you're doing Monday for me, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thank y'all so much. My wife's been wanting a chef. Um, no, I, I, I can't cook. I'm not a, not, a, not a cook. I can barbecue a little bit, but I can't cook anything. So don't expect me to cook for you. I promise you it won't be good. You'll get hot pockets or something. But uh, that's not my gift. But it is yours. And I love seeing how people in our church have been using this gift, by the way. I just got a, a, a text from a lady that's in our church that just had a tragic thing happen in her family. And for those that know, we have a, we have a meal team here that they, when people are going through very rough situations, our team cooks for them. And actually, she just texted me like 15, 20 minutes, well, I don't know how long I've been preaching, right before I got up here, and said, hey, just please make sure to tell the church thank you to the meal team that has been cooking for us this whole week. It's allowed us to really grieve through this process and help. That's people using their gifts for something greater than themselves. I'm so thankful for that. Listen, I, if, if you want your car fixed, don't bring it to me, okay? I will break it even more. Um, now, if you want me to preach your funeral, I got you. I got you covered. I can do that one, all right? And everybody here has got gifts. Here's the question. Are you using them? And then are you using them for other people? That's what our gifts were designed for. You got to find out what they are, though. You got to discover your purpose. And so, with that, let me share another story. Well, actually, before I do that, let me show you something real quick. Um, I, I went and found out the, the second most. Any, any art people in here? Anybody people like art? Two, three. Okay, good. This, this one will go over well. All right. So, the second most expensive painting in the world. You want to see what it looks like? 
Second most expensive painting in the world. Boom! Yeah, it didn't impress you either, I know. <laughs> this, uh, this, this painting was painted by a guy named Paul Cezanne. It was painted in 1894. Uh, guess what the name of this painting is called? The Card Players. It's deep, deep stuff right here, okay? You know how much this sold for? $300 million. Who wants to take up painting? Anybody in here? I mean, uh, $300 million. Now, l- now, let me ask you this question, though. How much do you think this, this painting would go for if I had it like this? Watch. $300 million? Maybe $300, maybe? Look at this and go, man, what, what in the world? I mean, but the, the thing is, you, you see most of the picture. I mean, you get most of it. I mean, most of it is good, right? Well, no. Anybody in here would go, well, you got a piece missing. This, this piece is a vital part of this whole thing here. You need the, you need the piece to see the whole. Well, I would, I would say, though, I think a lot of churches look like this. Because you got a good bit of people that are playing their part, but you got a couple pieces that are missing. And how many of you know when a couple pieces are missing, this is what the world sees? And so my challenge today is, if you're this piece, play your part. We need to all be playing our part because when everybody plays their part, go back to the other picture, when everybody plays their part, this is what you get. You get the, get the full picture. And I love it because as a church, this is what we want to do. Everybody's got a part to play. And I love this, that the part, what I'm a part of is bigger than the part that I play. How many know this is a huge picture, and I might got a little part, but how many know the big part is what makes this thing beautiful? And I love it because as a church, every part's got a part to play. Everybody in here's got a part to play. We want to help you find what that part is, which leads me to your next step. So let's take another step. So if join the dream team might be the next step, the next one after that would be to complete next step. We have a, a four-Sunday uh, class that we have here that helps you discover your gifts. 87% of Christians don't know what their spiritual gifts are. 87% of people, eight out of 10 people don't know what their spiritual gifts are. And here's what I know. If you don't know your gifts, you won't use them. You got to know them to use them. So we want to help you learn your personality profile. We want to help you learn your gifts because we want you to use them because when you use them, you begin growing. And let me show you. I'll show you, I'll show you another Another Facebook comment on how they grow. This is Tammy. Tammy's actually over here. There you are, Tammy. Uh, Tammy said this, serving in Quest Junior gave me a purpose and responsibility and kept me accountable for going. And bringing God's word to four, five, and six-year-olds in a way that they can relate helps me really get how much he loves us. I absolutely love my babies. I miss them when I don't teach. And I feel a pride to be able to see them anyway, anywhere, and, and they love me, and call out my name and give me big hugs. Come on, how many know there's no greater hugs than a four, five, or six-year-old calling on you? And it, watch this. It says, I want you to see this. Sharing God's love with them has helped who? Everybody say that with me. Help who? Help me grow in a way that I can't and wouldn't give up. Those kids helped who? Okay, wait, wait. Now, hold on. She's the teacher. She's teaching. They should say, her teaching us helped me. But no, no, no. She says, no, listen. When I stepped in and I started serving and I was teaching them, they were helping me. 
Those kids helped me grow. So thankful to OSC and the parents for trusting me and allowing me to love their babies. This is what God, the Bible says that he who waters, he himself will be watered. Can I tell you why God might not be trying to fill up in your life? Is because when we're full of ourselves, there's nothing he can put in. But when we pour our life out for other people, when we give of ourselves to help, when we do things, now we are emptying ourselves, and guess what? Then God gets to do something to me. You know, every Sunday when I come up here and I preach to you, at the end of the day, I am more fulfilled than I think you are. Because I walk away and I hear the stories of what God is doing, and I go, thank you, God, I got to play a part in that. And it was only a part. You got a part to play. I got a part to play. We all have a part to play. Now let's go a step back, though. So I can't, dis- I can't make a difference until I discover my purpose. I can't discover my purpose, write this down, until I find freedom. We all got issues. And if you don't think you have issues, guess what? That's your issue. <laughs> right? Now here's the question. Where do our issues come from? You know where they come from? The heart. Let, let me show you. Proverbs chapter 4 says this. Guard your what? Now, how many of you know all of us in here guard things that we value? How many of you locked your cars before you came in here? Raise your hand. You're at church. You shouldn't have to lock your car. No, anyways, you did, didn't you? You locked your car. Okay? How many of you locked your house before you came? You did. It's most of us. Why? Because there's valuable things in, inside of there. You guard what you value. God's saying, listen, I'm glad you do all those things, but you better guard the most valuable thing. You know what the most valuable thing in your life is? Your heart. You better guard it. Here's why. You better guard it above all else, above guarding your home, above guarding your car, above guarding your kids, because for it determines the course of your life. You don't guard your heart, your life's going to go crazy. You guard your heart, your life will be all right. Um, so when my car's broken down, I, I don't know how to fix it. Uh, a lot of times, I, like I said, I'm not really good with mechanics and all that. So I'll bring it to, we got a number of guys in our church that fix cars. So I'll bring it to them. And, 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 and I know the routine things. I know you need to have, you know, your oil change. I need to know, I know you got to have make sure tire pressures are right, different things like that. But when they, when they un- come, come into the hood and they unscrew a little thing and they pull it out and it's uh, the air filter, they got this air, and it's all black and nasty, and they go, hey, you see this? Yeah, yeah. You want, you want to get a new one? I got an option there. I can say, nah, I'm good. Looks good, man. Put that back in there. And how many of you know they could put it back in there, and how many know I could go and still drive my car? I could drive around for a while. Everything would be fine. Now, I don't know how long I'd be driving much longer, but I could drive around for a little while. But how many of you know that if I would just say, yeah, you know what? Let's change that out. How many know my car is going to drive better, smoother, cleaner, faster than ever before? Here's the question. What is the filter of our lives? Our heart. And, and, and the Bible is saying that, that even when we give our hearts to the Lord, there's still things in our heart that filter can still get nasty, still get clogged. And God wants us to find freedom in those areas so we can have a better marriage, better life, better kids, Better home. How many, want, how many want it to be a little bit better? How many want, it's time we stop holding on to those hurts. It's time we stop holding on to those experiences. It's time we allow God to heal those. So how do we do that? Well, here's the next step. You ready? Here's the next step. The next step is for me to just get connected with a life group. We talked about this last week. 
Life groups for us are not Bible studies. They're not another service. They're a place for you to be known. It's a place for people to know the real you. You know, I I think, honestly, a lot of church people should get Academy Awards. You know why? Because nobody fakes it better than church people. They came in in church. How you doing? Fantastic. And the wife's like, Hey, really, how are you doing? He cussed all the way here, all the way here. Come on, let's be honest here. And I love when I get around honest people. You know why? Because God doesn't demand perfection. You know what he demands? Honesty. God does not look for perfection. He just looks for us to be honest. That's all he wants. And you and I need to be in a, in a group of people, small group. I don't want everybody to know about my junk, but I want some people to know about my junk. Because if nobody knows about my junk, that's still going to be junk. So I need to get some people in my life that can help me with that. And that, that, that's why we do life groups is because it's a place for us to, to get into place. And so what we say things like this. It's, it's okay for you to not be okay. Like if you come to church and everything's not okay, your marriage isn't okay, your life's not okay, your finances are not okay, like you just don't know what to do, that's okay. But it's not okay to stay there. So it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay there. You don't want to stay in that place. And so let me, let me share another story. Let me, let's, let's get another thing of how this has played out. How does this play out in real life? Well, Holly Blanchard is one of our worship leaders. She said, it's definitely been life groups. It enabled me to not only share my struggles and victories, but to hear others as well and know we were safe in each other's presence. How many of you know you think you're crazy and you're getting in, you get in a group and everybody else is crazy? You're like, good, I'm not the only crazy one. All right. How many know that's encouraging? (laughs) Ask screen to my kids this week. Me three, all of us. Okay, all right. Um, It's just good to to get into a place where other people struggle too. And it says, it's allowed me, now watch this. It's allowed me to let others in through my wall. Which by the way, all of us have walls. Some are taller than others. Some are like a fortress. Nobody's getting in. Not even your wife. It says, little did I know that as that wall broke, though, watch this, the more freed and more loved and accepted I became. It was through these groups that I got the healing I was missing because I was able to confess my struggles, just sharing it with somebody, confess my pains, my wounds, and my sins to them, and then get prayed over in the power of the Holy Spirit. And areas I received forgiveness in from the Lord kept me coming back because I lacked the confession part to bring healing. Now, I love this. I am more free in more areas because of, now watch this, because of these groups, because of these people, and, and my life will be forever changed because of it. Come on, somebody. This is where it's at. This is where it's at. Let me give you the last one, is I can't find freedom until I know God. So I can't discover my purpose until I find freedom, and I can't find freedom until I know God. And, and the power of these three Make a difference, discover purpose, um, find freedom. The power that you get to do those things is in step one, which is knowing God. Mark chapter 8 puts it this way. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my followers, you must give up what? Your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. And if you try to hang on to your life, guess what's going to happen? What's going to happen? You're going to lose it. You're going to lose it. If you try to hang on to it, you're going to lose it. Hey, here's what I know. One out of one people die. I know that's deep right there, huh? One out of one people die. Everybody going to die. 
I don't care. You can eat healthy all you want. You're just going to die with a bad taste in your mouth. Okay? So, but anyways, I'm going to die with like some chicken, some fried chicken, something else. Okay? Anyways. But we're all going to die. And, and, and this scripture says, listen, if you hang on to your life, you try to hang on, you're going to lose it in the first place. So this is what Jesus is saying. Listen, you're going to die at some point, but let's not die before you die. Let's not live a life of death, a life of no joy, a life of no hope before we actually die. He says, let's not hold on to the way that I was living. Look, look what he says. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Some of you are trying to preserve your life. And if we're being honest, you probably wouldn't say this out verbally, but you say this with your life, is you think you can run your life better than God. But let's be honest, you're, you're not fooling anyone, and honestly, you're not really even fooling yourself because you're not that good at it. And I'm not either. How do you know Jesus can do way more with your life than you can? But here's, here's, how, here's how we get God cooperating into our life. Ready? Here's your, here's your step. You surrender your life to Jesus. This is how it begins. We surrender our life to Jesus. And for some of you, that's the step that's going to be, need to be taken because you've been trying to do it your own way and you finally have come to the end of yourself. And that's a good thing. God has a glorious vision for you. And, and all of us are somewhere in that process. But I want to I share this last verse and then we're done. This last verse is in Jeremiah. And this is what it says. If you look for me, what's this word? wholeheartedly. Here's the promise that God promises you. You're going to find me. You're going to find me. If you'll just go all in, all in, there, there's nothing in this life that is successful unless it's gone all in. You just go all in. You just push all the chips to the middle of the table. I'm in it. I'm going. Let's go. I'm, I'm all in. If you'll do that, you're going you're gonna to find me. And guess what? When you find Jesus, you find life, you find peace, you find hope, you find joy, you find all the things that you have been longing for when you go looking for God. Well, how do I go look for him? You got to go look for him. Anybody played hide and go seek with somebody who didn't seek? <laughs> Come on, let's go. That's kind of a boring game. All right, I'm going to go hide. You can find me. All right, count to 20. One, two. Let's just watch TV right here. That's, a, that's not fun. It's when you go start taking steps to go find them, seek them. And the Bible says if you come, if you come looking for me, you start taking some steps, you're going, you're going to find me. So I'm going to give you the challenge that I give pretty often here at our church, but I feel like it's the only one that I know to give. And, and that is give us a year. Go all in. Like just go all in. Like get plugged into Next Step jump in a, a life group somewhere, a women's life group, men's, just get in one, jump on a dream team, start serving, just start doing something beyond yourself. And, and whatever we say, hey, listen, this is what we're doing, just say yes, just go in, just yes, I'm in. Do it for a year. That's it, one year. And if the, at the end of that year, if your life is not drastically different, me and you will go find another church. I'll go with you. I promise you that. I challenge you. Seek it wholeheartedly. 
Just go on, just say yes. Just say yes. Stop saying no to the things that you need to be saying yes to. Now, if you're brand new here, you're like, man, this is my first time. They want me to go all in. No, you're all right, okay. You can, you can come for a little while and just see if this is the place you want to be. And I'm calling all of those here that say, OSC, this is my home, and you wear the I love my church shirt, but you don't do anything at my church. I'm asking you. We need you. But honestly, I don't need something from you. I want something for you. Let's be honest. We do need you, but we don't need you. I know it sounds a little weird. Our church was fine without you before. Our church has functioned without you, but I know our church would be a lot better with you. A whole lot better. If you'd play your part, maybe you're the missing puzzle piece. Just haven't, it's been hard to take that step. Like, oh, I know I need to get in a life group, but I just, I really don't want to talk to people. I really don't want people to know what's going on in my life. That's okay, but you'll deal with the problems all by yourself. I don't know about that next step stuff, man. I'm not down with all the classes and all that. That's fine. You don't have to. None of this is a have to. By the way, I never want church to ever be a have to. I want it to be a want to. I never want you to come to this church because you have to. Jesus gets no joy in you doing something because you have to. Jesus gets joy when you do something because you want to. And here's my prayer every weekend. God would change your want to. Because he changed mine. I'm a different man because of Jesus. I just want you to meet him. He's awesome. I want you to get connected to people because they're awesome.